African Dialogue, looking at different events in depth, discussing a variety of issues. This is a very significant historical election. This crisis is still damaging, especially Finnish and European economies very hardly, and that's an important reason to get more and more cooperation. And uh, what we see here is a clear violation of one, the right to privacy of uh, Tiwonge and uh, Stephen, and also we see Malawi violating its international commitments. Well, the position of Greenpeace is that it's been a disappointing meeting for marine species in particular. African Dialogue, a talk show where we cover anything and everything. Well, good morning. Thank you for joining us for another installment of African Dialogue. It's a new week, the 5th of October 2015. And hey, here in Johannesburg, it's very, very sunny, very hot. Uh, Thank you for joining us right here in the SABC studios in South Africa. Remember that you are listening to us. We are the voice of the African Renaissance, the Channel Africa. My name is Benjamin Moshatama. You're listening to us on the frequency 9625 kilohertz on the 31 meter band to Southern Africa. Well, today we're looking at World Teachers Day as the world commemorates teachers. We zoom into challenges and opportunities that uh, are in the face of uh, teachers and also this, the teaching profession. We'll look at that particular aspect of things after this news update by Onel Nzinzi. We take a look at your headlines this morning. Clashes between supporters of Guinea's ruling party and opposition activists leave at least one dead and more than 80 wounded. Learning resumes in all Kenyan public schools after five weeks of a nationwide strike. And the parole board in South Africa expected to make a decision on whether to give Oscar Pistorius an early release from prison. Thank you, Benjamin Moshadama. Now, looking at your uh, latest news, clashes between supporters of Guinea's ruling party and opposition activists have left at least one dead and more than 80 wounded. Authorities declared a curfew across the southwestern city of Nzerekore after fightings grabbed the city late on Saturday night. The violence in Guinea's second largest city comes after at least 17 people were wounded in clashes between rival factions in the northern town of Okundara in late September. Guinea's opposition has called for the vote set for next week to be postponed until later in October to allow the Electoral Commission to correct anomalies and irregularities in the electoral roll. Learning resumes on Monday in all Kenyan public schools after five weeks of a nationwide strike. The Kenya National Union of Teachers announced the suspension of the strike and advised its members to resume teaching promptly, including supervision of national exams across the country. Union officials say the strike has only been suspended for 90 days to give room for further negotiations with government on the implementation of the 50 to 60% salary increment. Mwai Kigonyo reports from Nairobi. 
It has been a sigh of relief for students, their parents and government officials after officials of the teachers' union announced the immediate suspension of the five-week-long teacher strike across the country. A sport check at public schools in Nairobi shows most of the striking teachers have reported on duty and have agreed to resume teaching and ensure national exams are run smoothly as planned before. The decision to resume duty was announced by the Secretary General of the Kenya National Union of Teachers, Wilson Sosion, despite protests from a section of teachers who strongly accused the union officials for wasting time in the national strike. It is unclear when South African Paralympian Oscar Pistorius will be released from Kosi Mamburu to prison in the capital Pretoria should he be granted a parole. The parole board is expected to make a decision on Monday on whether to give Oscar Pistorius an early release from prison. The Paralympian was jailed last year after he was found guilty of culpable homicide for killing his girlfriend Rivastian Kamp at his Pretoria home on Valentine's Day in 2013. Pistorius allegedly mistook her for an intruder. Pistorius has spent almost a year behind bars. Correctional Services spokesperson Manili Siwolela. We can confirm that the Parole Review Board is sitting today to consider the remaining part of the role of correctional supervision and parole cases that need to be reviewed. Details of where and at what time are they meeting today those matters are not for public consumption. It should be noted, actually, that uh, we communicate as and when the chairperson of the Parole Review Board so determines. At an appropriate time, therefore, we will communicate the outcomes of the board as uh, directed by the chairperson. Burundi's Foreign Minister Alain Nyamitwe denies that the country's human rights record is deteriorating, this following an upsurge in unrest and civil unrest. Last week, the United Nations High Commissioner for Human Rights described that bodies were being found in the streets of the capital almost every day, some showing signs of torture. The country has been wrecked by unrest this year after a failed coup. Protests began when the president decided to seek a third term, which demonstrators said was an unconstitutional move. He subsequently went on to win re-elections. Yamito explains the government's recent actions. We believe that dialogue has to be carried on. We might not agree on the modalities that some partners or some people within the UN might you know, will be willing to uh, put in place to see that, um, that happening, but we believe that uh, those elements are, are, are true. Vis-à-vis the Arusha Agreement, you recall that the Arusha Accord itself is now part and parcel of the Constitution. There's no standalone document called Arusha Agreement. Now, vis-à-vis the situation in the country, what we we want to make sure is that we have the Constitution implemented fully. That is, the Arusha Agreement implemented fully. And finally, Monday, October 5th, marks World Teachers' Day. It is a day set aside to mobilize support for teachers and to ensure that the needs of future generations will be met by teachers. As the day is observed, Channel Africa's Moke Kinzeka met a teacher who have agreed to work under difficult conditions at Central African Refugee Camp in Eastern Cameroon. The state alone 
is not able to guarantee the employment of enough teachers for the number of children that we have to take care of. The policy of the government is let schools be created and let all the children have access to education. But education is not only the responsibility of the state. The state does the bulk of the work, but the educational community, NGOs, and so on, are also called upon to support the government in meeting the requirements of education. The theme of this year's World Teachers' Day is empowering teachers, building sustainable societies. Now, recapping on your top stories, clashes between supporters of Guinea's ruling party and opposition activists leave at least one dead and more than 80 wounded. Learning resumes in all Kenyan public schools after five weeks of a nationwide strike. And the parole board in South Africa is expected to make a decision on whether to give Oscar Pistorius an early release from prison. For Channel Africa News, I'm Onilin Sinsi. Well, you are listening to Channel Africa. Thank you to Onele for that particular update. Uh, you are listening to us right here on the frequency 9625 kHz on the 31-meter band to Southern Africa. If you're listening to us on DSTV, thank you for joining us on Channel 902. That's Channel 902. And remember, during the program, when I hear your views about teachers in the world, plus 27796957930, plus 27796957930. That's our SMS number. Do you think that we as a continent take care of our teachers and what more can we do to actually empower teachers in terms of resources in terms of income as well i know that's another area of concern so today the world commemorates teachers day unesco inaugurated the 5th october as a world teachers day the day really represents a significant effort to raise awareness understanding and appreciation for the vital contributions that teachers make to education and development across our world now in many countries the quality of education is undermined by a deficit of teachers. Added to the challenge of numbers is one of quality. All too often teachers work without resources of proper training. Now to hear more on this, we're going to be looking at some of the challenges and also the opportunities for teachers. And uh, right now we're joined on the line by Sara Kimani who's going to give us an update on what's happening in terms of the strike that we heard of in our news bulletin. We know that the strike has been called off over the weekend. Sara, how are you today? Sarah Kimani, can you hear me? Yes, I can hear you. Hi, hello. Yeah, I can hear you, Sarah. Uh, Mary, I'll come back to you just in a few minutes. That's Mary Cropton as well. Uh, She's the Zambia Teacher Solidarity Spokesperson. We'll come back to her. We just want to hear from Sarah Kimani from Kenya in terms of the latest in terms of what's happening with the Kenya strike. We hear that it's called uh, called off, Sarah. Give us the latest details there. Yes, uh, the strike was called off on Saturday following a court order by the industrial court. Uh, a judge at the court in Kenya ordered the teachers back to class, and so the International Union of Teachers uh, said that they had opted to go to class even as they wait uh, for a decision 90 days from now because there was an earlier order by the Labour Court asking them to call off the strike, to suspend the strike, and uh, be able to come back to the court within 90 days with an agreement uh, of what the government has said. This is because the teachers are claiming a 50 to 60% pay increment was awarded uh, uh, in July this year by the industrial court. The industrial court also uh, ordered the halting of, of the government employing 70,000 teachers. Probably the reason why the National Union of Teachers so it wise 
Mm. Sarah Kimani, today is um, Teachers' Day, World Teachers' Day. How's the mood in terms of uh, that particular aspect of things? I'm sure it must be mixed feelings in your country. Well, most, most teachers in public primary schools are demoralized. In fact, uh, there, are, there are no celebrations. And the uh, teachers of the, mm. the government, they feel that they are overworked, mm. uh, overused, and uh, very uh, low remuneration, and they feel that they have uh, failed to be recognized and their work has failed to be recognized over time. Uh, you must realize now that the, with the universal primary ed, free primary education here in Kenya, classes are larger than mm. usually. You find a teacher will take care of more than 100 kids by themselves, and the pay is the same, because parents, all they are expected to do is bring their children to school. They're not expected to pay anything, and so the classes are larger. Mm. We now understand that teacher unions have also gone to court this morning. Tell us a little bit about that. Uh, perspective well, and what's well, going well, on in that regard? They're, they're still following up on a, okay. a contempt okay. uh, case that they have filed against the Teacher Service Commission, that is the employer, because earlier there was a ruling that they should get a 50 to 60 percent pay increment. That was upheld by the Supreme Court, but the Teacher Service Commission has insisted uh, that they have more money to pay. The Kenyan government, who President Kenyatta, has also insisted that they do not have that kind of money. And so the, the unions have moved to court again uh, to have that uh, uh, order introduced to the South Africa. Well, thank you so much, uh, uh, Sarah, for giving us that particular update and letting us know what's, there, uh, what's happening there in Kenya in terms of that teacher strike. Hopefully we'll get more details from you here on Channel Africa. We know we always get reports from you. That's uh, SAPC News. News correspondent Sarah Kimani giving us that particular update in terms of uh, the strike in uh, Kenya. And uh, hey, we'll actually look at that particular story during the day. It's been called off. We know that there's a legal process that's underway. We tried to speak to one of the unions that's involved in this particular strike. But hey, because there is actually a legal case underway, they actually uh, called off our conversation with them this morning. But we'll carry on this conversation with Mara Cropton. I know that there's also a strike that's taking place in Zambia. Uh, she's part of the Teacher Solidarity uh, in Zambia, Zambia Teacher Solidarity. So we'll speak to them about that particular movement. We're also going to be joined by General uh, Secretary of the Professional Education Union in South Africa, just to look at um, uh, teachers' quality of education and also do we take care of teachers uh, on our continent. And uh, later on also we'll have Abdul Wahab Kulibali, who is uh, from UNESCO. He is uh, the education program specialist the UNESCO is the United Nations Educational Specific and Cultural Organization hey we want to hear from you do you think that Africa takes care of their teachers and if not what can we do to improve the situation as you could hear there from Sarah Kimani it seems that uh, the teachers in Kenya feel very overused and also they don't have the resources and also they're not paid very well that's their main complaint what are your thoughts around that plus 2779-695-7930 that's our SMS number or you can interact with us on Channel Africa Twitter. That's at Channel Africa One. That's our Twitter handle, at Channel Africa One. Let's take a quick break and then we'll come back with, our, with the rest of our guests. Dear listener, would you like to be featured on our website? Send us interesting pictures such as those of people, events, or anything you think is unique and interesting. Be part of our website and share those memorable moments with Channel Africa and the rest of the world. Don't miss this opportunity. Take a picture now, tomorrow, and every day. Pictures can be sent to 
info at channelafrica.org. That's info at channelafrica.org. You can view your pictures on www.channelafrica.co.za. That's www.channelafrica.co.za. And also on our Facebook page. Channel Africa, the voice of the African Renaissance. Well, today we're focusing on uh, the World Commemorating Teachers Day. We know that uh, this is a day inaugurated by UNESCO. And uh, it's been a day really just uh, to actually pause and look back at uh, actually do we actually appreciate teachers, the knowledge of uh, how they contribute to our economies as well. Uh, That's something that is really heated on this particular day. Earlier on, we're speaking to Sarah Kimani, who's the SABC correspondent, uh, joining us uh, from Kenya there. We know that teachers in the public sector of Kenya ended a five-week-long strike at the weekend that had pitted President Uhuru Kenyatta against the judiciary, exposing the fragility of government financing and sparking popular discontent over perceived inequalities there. We know that it's been a big story really. that's made international headlines. A lot of children have actually suffered from this particular strike. So the story doesn't really look good looking at the Kenya situation, also looking at what's happening in Zambia with their own strike there. So we'll be speaking to some of our guests today to really unpack some of their challenges that teachers go through and also the opportunities for teachers on the African continent. We've got Mary Cropton, who is from the Zambia Teacher Solidarity um, Organization. Uh, she's the spokesperson. We also have Ben Manchipi, who is the General Secretary of the Professional Education Union in South Africa. Mary, let me start this conversation with you. We just heard from Sarah Kimani, our correspondent from uh, Kenya, looking at the situation in Zambia in terms of, I mean, in Kenya, looking at that particular strike. I know in Zambia there's also a teacher's strike there. What's happening in that regard? Well, uh, first of all, I need to correct you because actually uh, I'm uh, Teacher Solidarity, which is a global network of teachers. I'm not based in Zambia. Okay. And I've been doing some research over the weekend and I can't actually find any reference to a Zambian teacher's strike, but I can talk to you about the global challenges that teachers, particularly in the global south, are facing as a result of you know, global education reform policies. So if that would be helpful, I'm happy to talk to you about that. But I'm afraid I can't talk to you about Zambia because I'm not a spokesperson. Well, well, I I apologise for that because that's the information I got from my from my producer himself. So right, I apologise yes, if I there was misunderstandings yes, yes. there. But let's let's carry on in terms of looking at uh, these situations that we're seeing. And actually, we can actually use Kenya as a microcosm in terms of uh, what's happening in the world. Yes. Some of the concerns that happen globally yes. because they're not just looking yes. at issues that. Okay. Just deal with uh, themselves, but these are issues that we can actually put in South Africa, that we can put in any other country in the world, some of these challenges. What yes. do they actually reflect yes. in terms of our um, how we look at the teacher's uh, profession? Well, I think I was very interested in what the um, person from Kenya was saying, because I think the way teachers in Kenya have been treated total contempt with which they've been treated by their government Mm. Um, and the way they're expected to work in intolerable conditions for very low pay is absolutely typical of the way teachers are treated all over particularly in the global south and I think this is part of a project which is about running down public education and Mm. blaming teachers and then uh, in the meantime, uh, big corporations like Pearson, egged on by the World Bank and the International Monetary Fund, are starting huge data collection exercises, chains of low-fee private schools, and I know you've got some of these in South Africa. 
um, in order to, as they put it, make money from the bottom of the pyramid. And meanwhile, teachers are the ones that are being blamed for the failure to reach the so-called Millennium Development Goals of Education for All. Well, let's also move on to Abdul Wahab Kulibali, who is uh, from uh, UNESCO, and uh, he is uh, the Education Program Specialist. Abdul, thank you for joining us. Thank you. It's great having you once again on our program. Abdul, let us know, really, in terms of looking at some, we're looking at the issue of Kenya. It's really, really reflecting some of the problems we're seeing on the continent, them being underpaid, also being under-resourced. It seems like the teachers are getting the the, the wrong side of the stick in terms of uh, them not really, really being resourced on the continent of Africa. It seems there's a big challenge in that regard. Yes, uh, thank you very much. I think before I uh, get into the uh, gist of the conversation, uh, I would like to say a few words about the teaching uh, profession. Um, if you look at the situation today, especially in Sub-Saharan Africa, uh, the 2015 report from UNESCO said that uh, um, we need 3.3 million of teachers for primary uh, education. And as far as uh, lower secondary education is concerned, um, by 2030, uh, Sub-Saharan Africa, I mean, the whole world will need 5.1 million teachers. Now, this means that uh, the teaching profession has a central role um, to all the, uh, the countries. Now, you mentioned the case of uh, Kenya. I'm not really familiar with Kenya because you are only covering uh, Southern Africa. But in a nutshell, uh, I would like to say that uh, the teaching profession, as it is now, encompasses a lot of uh, uh, difficulties. I'm not sure if I'm really uh, on the track to answer your questions. I think you're you, all right because you gave us a global landscape in terms of what's happening in sub-Saharan Africa and also just uh, what's required for us to actually meet the demand of education. Mm-hmm. Uh, but coming back to you, Ben Machipi, how are you doing? I'm fine, I'm fine. I'm thanks, and thank you for having us just in your show. Fantastic, Ben. Now, for, from your views, we've spoke, spoken a little bit about the context in Kenya. We know in South Africa as well, we've seen now and then a cropping up of uh, concerns from uh, teacher unions about them being underpaid and also just being under-resourced. We know in rural areas as well, it's still a challenge in South Africa. Your thoughts about the challenges that are faced by um, teachers today? Oh, thank you. Um, I think that our challenges in South Africa are there, but uh, let me indicate that uh, from our side as professional educators union, we realize that these challenges are not insurmountable. Mm. Not insurmountable in the sense that uh, we are always, uh, in South Africa, we have a council where we, we, we are given the, an opportunity to air our views and also indicate, in, indicate our challenges. Mm. Let me indicate that one of the challenges that we are facing as South African teachers is overcrowding. Overcrowding is one of the problems that make teachers to be overburdened with the work. They are not able to exercise their expertise as they are expected to do. So they have got so many learners to cope with, and that degenerates into discipline of of our learners. Mm. Also indicate that our salaries are also not market-related in the sense that teachers are underpaid. We always indicate this in the council. Recently, we are having a situation where Department of Education and, and unions 
have indicated that our salaries as educators are a 0.5 below all public servants. And that is an issue that we are in contention with the minister. But uh, like I indicated, we realize that uh, this is an issue that we will be able to, to bring to the table and finalize. Mm. Well, coming back to you, Mary, in terms of looking at some of those issues that were highlighted both by uh, Ben and uh, Dr. Kulibali from UNESCO, it is interesting to see that it seems like uh, it comes back to the idea of resources. We don't resource education as much as we used to, especially primary education. Your thoughts around that? Why is that the case that governments don't feel that's where the investments need to go to? Why do I think the government don't resource it properly? Yeah, yeah. Is that what you said? Yes. Yeah. Well, I think there are two. I think there are two things going on. I think there is a, a conscious project going on to actually run down public school. My own. I, I'm in the UK, and our own government is actively trying to destroy public education and privatise it. Um, and that's happening also in the US, and it's happening, I, I believe, also in the global south, but in India, for instance, where there are massive numbers of. Uh, small private schools and this is a very conscious project and the other half of that project then is to run down public education so that parents particularly in the global south feel I don't want my children to go to a public school because it's not going to be good enough I want them to go to um, a private school however poor the education being offered in that private school is so I think there's a I think there's a project going on and the other the other thing is if you take the example of Kenya for instance where the government is saying that they haven't got enough money to pay this promise whether well, the agreed teachers rise uh, the fact is that billions of, of dollars of uh, tax revenues are being uh, channeled out of Kenya um, by big corporations which could easily fund uh, a decent pay for teachers mm-hmm. so um, I think those are the, you know two of the things that are going on there Hmm. And coming back to you, Ben, in terms of that deficit, in terms of what you highlighted, the deficit between other kind of forms of government employees and teachers, what is the explanation when you speak to government officials about that particular deficit of how how much teachers are being earned? Is there any good reason? Is, is it because there's a large number of teachers to be paid? What is the reasoning behind that particular view? Um. You know, we, we outsource the services of service providers who, after the OSD, the Occupational uh, Dispensation, where our salaries were revised as public servants, it's where it was discovered that it is only in teaching where the notch between or the difference in their notches is a 1% instead of 1.5, which is the case with other public servants. Mm. Now, there are ways in which uh, the service providers had a workshop with the Department of Education and also unions. Then we realized that uh, teachers are underpaid and this was going to be corrected. It is now on the desk of the Minister of Education to make sure that uh, this is is, is addressed. But uh, like I indicated before, this is one thing that uh, we realized that our minister is having a challenge. You are not given an explanation. Mm. And this is one of the problems that uh, is, is causing a, a tension between the union and, and, and the department. So from our side, um, we realize that everything has been done. It is only the minister to implement <laughs> what has been agreed upon with the union.
Let me come. Let me come back to you, Abdul. In terms of your views here, how do we actually make sure that actually we channel the right resources to education, especially to empowering teachers? It is a taxing profession. It needs a lot of work. It's it's long hours as well, and sometimes teachers work after hours to actually educate children for extramural activities as well, which plays part of the curriculum at times. So, Dr. Kulibali, how do we actually turn things around in the continent where we actually channel resources towards our education, also empowering teachers with the right kind of pay? Yeah, um, first I would like to start with the, uh, the issue of a teacher's salary mm. uh, because if you look at the uh, situation uh, globally, um, I would like to say that in general, uh, if you take the general case, um, the salaries of the teachers are not competitive with the uh, the salaries of the uh, of a profession generally, um, if you take an equal pay, you know, with the same uh, degree a teacher and another profession, in addition to what the salary of the profession is bringing to the person, the person else has also some other advantages that come with the profession. For instance, uh, for some professions, people have cars, um, they have drivers, they are given houses. Um, even the, uh, the, 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 the running cost, these are part some of the advantages that some other people, you know, at the same degree and the same salary, these are additional benefits that the other people may get that teachers are not really getting. So talking about the salaries, this is uh, one problem. Now, you have also alluded to uh, um, a lot of things, but I think um, first people should understand that teaching is more than a profession. It is a calling. So you don't come to teaching because of salaries, but within the teaching profession, I think one of the uh, 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 speakers alluded to it, the problem teachers really face within the professions are tremendous. And uh, um, among them, I can talk about motivation. Someone talked about large classes already. Um, we also have a problem with the professional development programs because in some cases they may enter into the profession, but they have uh, seldom possibilities mm. of uh, professional development. And one other issue which is very important is uh, discipline within the schools today because what the school lose used to be like in the past, they are no longer like the same today. Uh, and also the teachers face another serious problem, which is how to deal with different types of learners. For instance, some of the teachers, during the preparation time, they have no idea of what type of student they are going to face with. I'm talking about students with uh, uh, disabilities, for instance. These are some of the things that are very important. So coming to the case of uh, UNESCO, what we are trying to do, and uh, um, through, I don't know if you are aware of the, the Global Motion Report. Uh, Dr. Abdul, let me go to a quick break and then we'll come back to that particular sure. um, uh, report and then we can speak about some of the initiatives that are put forward by UNESCO. You're listening to Channel Africa, the voice of the African Renaissance, okay. and uh, you're listening to us right here on the frequency 9625 kilohertz on the 31 meter band to Southern Africa. Hey, this is actually taxing because we can see that this is a, a bit of a, a bleak story uh, that we're talking about teachers 
Christians we're supposed to be celebrating today, but it seems like they have a lot of challenges indeed. And I want to come back to that idea. Isn't it the fact of uh, what Dr. Akulibali highlighted, a wrong way of looking at teachers? We're always saying it's a calling. It's not about salary. It's, it's not really a profession. It's a calling. Isn't it that while we actually belittle the value of teachers themselves and then we don't pay them enough because we just say it's a calling and it's not really a profession? I think it's a profession. I really believe it's one of the greatest professions that should be hailed uh, in our societies, actually. It should be one of those professions that we put above many of other professions. Your thoughts around that? Do we actually respect our teachers? Do we actually resource them enough? And how can we improve the teacher's profession on the continent? Plus two seven seven nine six nine five seven nine three zero. Plus two seven seven nine six nine five seven nine three zero. Let's go to a quick break. Would like to get to know you, our listener. So we are asking you to tell us the country you're in and how you listen to the station. Is it via shortwave, internet or satellite? And what do you enjoy listening to? You can SMS us at plus two seven eight two double three two five nine zero five, or email us. It's at info at channelafrica.org. You can also tell us via Facebook or tweet us on the handle at Channel Africa Numerical 1. Or write to us at the address P.O. Box 91313 Auckland Park, Johannesburg, 2006 Republic of South Africa. We look forward to hearing from you. Channel Africa, the voice of the African Renaissance. Channel Africa, the voice of the African Renaissance. for Channel Africa Radio in Ethiopia's capital, Addis Ababa. Africa, rise and shine. George Muhango, Channel Africa, Blantyre. Reporting for Channel Africa, I am Hilda Kekeloa in Zambia. Reporting for Channel Africa in Harare, Zimbabwe, this is Simon Muchemwa. From an African perspective, listen to Channel Africa in English, Kiswahili, French, Silozi, Portuguese and Chinyanja. Reporting for Channel Africa, this is Moki Kinzeka. In Yaoundi, informing the world about Africa. Ntakwanangatani in Mohalizuk, Lesotho. Reporting for Channel Africa, Mwaigi Konyo in Nairobi. Channel Africa, the voice of the African Renaissance. Well, today we're looking at World Teachers Day. It seems like there's a lot of challenges that teachers are facing currently in the world. Uh, but uh, let's come back to uh, Mr. Abdul Wahab Kulibali, who is the Education Program Specialist from the United Nations Education Scientific Cultural Organization. If you've just joined us, we also have Mary Cropton from the Teacher Solidarity Spokesperson. I'm mistaken her from someone from Zambia, but that was a big, big era earlier on. I think technical producer, our producer, not technical producer, producer had a, a mistake there. And also we've got Ben Machipi, who is uh, the General Secretary of the Professional Education Union in South Africa. Abdul, sorry to cut you off a little bit earlier on there, but you were still speaking about some of the initiatives and some of the reports that have come up from uh, UNESCO. You, you can continue with some of your, um, your, your thoughts there regarding of how we can move this thing forward, especially in terms of resourcing teachers. Yeah, uh, what I was trying to, uh, to say, um, uh, the Global Monitoring Report that UNESCO publishes uh, yearly, um, the uh, 2014 one was on, uh, on teachers. 
Uh, and uh, in that report, um, it was recognized that uh, um, teachers are pivotal, you know, the main key in the uh, achievement of uh, quality and uh, equitable education and uh, um, sustainable development. However, um, the, uh, the report also said that uh, there still remain a lot of uh, uh, gaps with uh, regard to the provision of the uh, needed uh, teaching uh, force. This is something that I wanted to, to highlight. And uh, coming to the World uh, um, Teachers Day, this is uh, my view. I think uh, the international community, and this is not UNESCO only, it is UNESCO with uh, its partners. I'm uh, talking about ILO, I'm talking about the World Bank, and uh, all the stakeholders that really have a say in uh, uh, the teaching profession. Um, you know, they gather every year to uh, encourage a different country to celebrate the uh, uh, Teachers' Day. And now, if you look at the meaning of uh, that day to the teachers, um, if you are a teacher, it should also say a lot to you. It means that at least the world is recognizing the profession, which is a, a, a very important thing. And also, it uh, deals with the uh, awareness raising about the profession uh, throughout the world. So, um, in a nutshell, this is what I want you to say. But now, um, UNESCO, as I said, generally works with the partners. Mm. And uh, um, for those who are aware of the, uh, the Kigali meeting recently, that was held in uh, um, uh, Rwanda in the, during the preparation of the World Summit in uh, Korea, mm. um, you know, the statement in that uh, Kigali um, post-2015 uh, uh, report said that uh, um, there is a need for a, a, a comprehensive teacher policy mm. and uh, they have called for uh, some concerted actions, um, I would say, to increase investment um, for the recruitment, um, training, uh, deployment, um, continued profession, profession development for, uh, for teachers. And also, yeah. what is very important is the welfare of teachers across all levels of education. Well, let me, let me move on to our other guests, uh, uh, Mr. Kulibali. I hear what you're saying in terms of uh, those particular structures that need to be put in place, and I think policy is another issue that you've, you've highlighted. But another area that I find very concerning is the ability for teachers not just to deal with teaching, but sometimes they have to really, really get into administration issues and deal with that particular aspect. It seems like they have a lot on their plate. They can be bogged with administrative duties instead of just concentrating on the core jobs at hand. Okay. And, uh, it just came in because it was quiet because I'm trying to talk to South Africa. And it, um, and Mary, Mary, I can still hear you there. You're speaking there to someone, but I can hear you here as well. But Mary, let me come back to you. Let me address that to you. The whole administrative duties that teachers also deal with, does it boggle them down and actually where they can't actually deal with the core job, which is teaching. I don't understand why teachers have to do all these administrative things at times. Well, well, I think a lot of it is to do with this um, global data collection, which is tied up very much with the whole Millennium Development Goals. It's driven by the World Bank. The idea is that somehow you can compare country with country by doing standardized testing. So teachers spend an awful long time um, assessing, uh, doing, doing testing, teaching to the test, 
And the idea is then you can compare country with country and see whether, you know, one country is doing worse than the other. But the bottom line is if you don't provide teachers and children with an environment, with toilets, with with water, with textbooks, with desks, Mm. with reasonable-sized classes and with teachers who can afford to live, then how on earth do you, with all this data collection, it's just a complete diversion. Mm. What, what, what we need is to say, the first thing is to say, you know, provide schools, provide teachers with what they need in order to work. And that's not, and instead of that, they're bullying teachers into providing all this data, mm. um, in, you know, doing all sorts of programs which have nothing to do with education. In India, they're taken out of the classroom for a lot of the time to do enrollment campaigns, census, electoral campaigns, all sorts of things. So, you know, teachers aren't given a chance to do their work. And mm. it's just, actually, it's the same in the North. It's the same in the UK. Teachers, 53% of teachers want to leave teaching They're in a latest survey because they just can't stand all the bureaucracy that goes with it. Then mm. let me come to you in terms of that bureaucracy also kind of meddled with the changing times we live in in terms of equipping uh, teachers with the right knowledge uh, in terms of also technology that seems to be where we're going in a world in South Africa there's been a lot of conversations around and introducing these paperless uh, structures whereby you introduce uh, uh, tablets into schools and it seems like very prematurely done whereby the teachers themselves don't even know the technology that they're going to be dealing with and then you just hand out these tablets to students but really there's no proper processes before you actually deal with that particular thing of okay we're going to make the technology available but first let's upskill the teachers your thoughts around that ben yes um that, that is that is exactly the point that uh, we seems to be not uh, putting our priorities together um you you, you, are, you are correct to say that uh, if, if learners are expected to be taught in technology like the tablet has indicated, while teachers have never seen a tablet, they will be seeing a tablet for the first time with children. That will be a fruitless exercise. But uh, this is what we have been always indicating to the department, that uh, let teachers be taken on board. Let them be the first ones to have mm-hmm. knowledge of mm-hmm. this technology. Let them have deep inside of what is happening so that they are able to teach the kids. It's a good idea that we support, but uh, let our priorities be put put together so that we are able to to actualize the ideas, mm. the good ideas that we, we put in, in, in our boardrooms. Mm. But uh, having said that, um, we, we support the department with the initiatives that they bring uh, together, like... Uh, in, in improving the professional and academic status of educators, we welcome what we call the Continuing Professional Teacher Development, which mm-hmm. is an initiative by the Department, the Unions, and the South African Council for Educators, since, wherein teachers are, are, are taught of the gaps that we are having in order to fill the gaps so that uh, they are able to be uh, able to teach our, our learners in the, in the question of quality education. And then the other thing is that uh, teacher unions, on the other side, we are not only crying foul when the department is not doing certain things. We have got what we call teacher union collaboration. These are institutes that are, have been developed. For, for, for instance, we have got Sefakumaka, the teacher institute, in the case of professional educators union. Now, we identify the debt that teachers are having. Like, uh, like technology, for, for instance, mm, mm. we will on our own be able to teach, uh, to keep our teachers 
with the technical knowledge. It is not only teachers who pay all the teachers in South Africa. So together with the department, we are able to make sure that our level of teaching in the country improves. Hmm. Let me wrap up this conversation with you, Abdul. We've only got about two minutes left, really, of the conversation. But um, I kind of disagree with you earlier on when you spoke about the idea that teaching is just a calling because I think sometimes we can make some professions a bit, we can romanticize them. I'm a journalist myself, and sometimes we can romanticize a profession such as mine. I'm supposed to just be representing the public. I shouldn't be paid that well. I just should do my job and not necessarily get good good pay but in modern life that's really not what makes professions attractive and if we're going to get young people as well getting into the profession of teaching we need to make this a lucrative profession for for just normal people your thoughts around that on how we can actually improve this make the profession more more um uh, attractive for young people to actually go into it because it is one that needs passion but it also one that needs a certain form of st- stability for one's life everyone needs a certain form of stability your thoughts around that good uh, yes of course you have a right to disagree with me when i say teaching is more than just a profession it is a calling but uh, um, just try to see uh, those three steps you know in the, the, the life uh, of a teacher first Entering into the job, you have to get a motivation that brings you into the job. Yeah. Yeah. The second thing is remaining, because once you decide to come into teaching, of course you have always measures all the parameters that go around the, the teaching job. Some people say it is not paying, the salary is very low, mm. you have problems of discipline, uh, visas, and that, all those problems. But nonetheless, you decide to become a teacher. And then, once you're a teacher, this is also the thing which is here. You may teach, you have uh, to talk to children, you meet parents, etc. Uh, but there are some difficulties. Mm. But still, you decide to, mm. Teach, mm. to teach and to remain as a teacher. Okay? Mm. So, I would like to say, yes, it is a profession, but it is also a calling because not everybody can become a teacher. I don't know if you agree with me on that one. Yeah, 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 yeah probably, yes, yes. Say, I mm. want to become a teacher first. Mm. You have to get the motivation first and also go through the training. That is why it is not just a profession. It is a calling. You have to like it. You have to be motivated to come to it. Now, coming to how we certainly make the, the job appetizing to mm. young learners today, mm. um, let me talk about something very general. That we very quick. Today. Very quick. I've got a minute left. I've got a minute left. General, sure. Most of the time, the young guys or young people, they come to teaching because they have no other alternative. And most of them, once they get something better than the teaching profession, they just quit it. Mm, mm. So very few of them remain. That's why I'm saying it is a calling. No, okay. it's not given to everybody to become a teacher. Okay. No. <laughs> That's why. Now, to make the profession attractive to, to learners, this is very important. First, they need to know why they are coming. So, you know, well, I, I have awareness to... raising on that, at that level, for instance, okay? Mm. Mm. People need to talk about the profession to them, and they should understand that. It's just mm. like in the army. Once you decide mm. to come in, you need yeah. there are sacrifices and there are problems, but you have to remain into it. Well, we have to leave it there, uh, um, uh, Dr. Kulibali. I still disagree with you. Some of the sentiments you made there in terms of teaching being equivalent of being in the army, because I think in terms of just the profession itself, we need to actually focus our resources on that and channel it in the right way and actually honor teachers. I really have 
a certain passion towards that aspect of things. But thank you for, for joining us. Thank you to Abdul Wahab Kulibali, who is from the uh, Education United Educational United Nations, rather Educational Scientific and Cultural Organization, also known as UNESCO. I want to thank uh, Ben Machipi, who is uh, the General Secretary of the Professional Education Union in South Africa. Also, thank you to Mary Cropton, who is from the Teacher Solidarity. Uh, she's the spokesperson of that particular uh, organization. But let's take a quick break and then we'll get our economics update. Thank you. Dear listener, would you like to be featured on our website? Send us interesting pictures such as those of people, events, or anything you think is unique and interesting. Be part of our website and share those memorable moments with Channel Africa and the rest of the world. Don't miss this opportunity. Take a picture now, tomorrow, and every day. Pictures can be sent to info at channelafrica.org. That's info at channelafrica.org. You can view your pictures on www.channelafrica.co.za. That's www.channelafrica.co.za. And also on our Facebook page. Channel Africa, the voice of the African Renaissance. With your news, I'm Wisani Matebula. The World Bank says that for the first time, less than 10% of the world's population will be living in extreme poverty by the end of 2015. The bank said it was using a new income figure of $1.9 billion per day to define extreme poverty. It focused uh, the proportion of the world's population in this category to fall from 12.8% 12.8% in 2012 to 9.6% in 2014. However, it says uh, the growing concentration of global poverty in sub-Saharan Africa is a great concern. In the strike in South Africa's coal mining industry by thousands of National of Union of Mine Workers members that started last night is steadily gathering momentum. The main gathering point later this morning will be the coal mining district of Emalathleni, formerly known as Wildbank in Pumalanga province. Frank Ngumalo reports. Emalasheni, the place of call in Goni, the new name of the Mpumalanga town formerly known as Whitbank, has not seen any new call being lifted to the surface since last night when thousands of NUM members downed tools. The number is expected to rise to 30,000 nationally as the strike gathers momentum. The NUN says all its members are now on strike nationally this morning. However, State Power Utility ESCOM says it still has got enough stockpiles of coal to last for the next 30 days and the strike will not have an immediate impact. Several roads and single lanes have been closed off to traffic in South Africa. The Central Business District closed for the first official day of the Eco-Mobility World Festival. The festival is aimed at reducing the number of private vehicles on Central's busy roads. Sachin Naidu is in Central. 
Several roads in Africa's richest square mile has been closed to traffic this morning. Many of the city's big roads, including Santon Drive and William Nickel Drive, has one lane cordoned off to traffic to allow cyclists to commute easily around the city. Dozens of JMPD officers have also been deployed and can be seen at many of the major intersections where they are rerouting traffic from all the roads that have been cordoned off. Currently, traffic seems to be moving smoothly. However, heavy delays are expected during rush hour. The city of Johannesburg has recommended that the 120,000 commuters coming to the Santon CBD in private cars use public transport until the end of the month. Financial indicators, the dollar trading at 13.71, South African rents at 10.43, Botswana Pula and 12.25, Zambian Kwacha also trading at 0.652, the British pound and 0.89 against the euro. Commodities are gold, $1,140, platinum at $906, a fine ounce Brent crude oil at $47.18 per barrel. And that's how it's looking. Well, let's move on and get our sports. Uh, we've got uh, Figile Lingwati standing by. SABC brings to you Rugby World Cup 2015 live on SABC2 and SABC radio stations. Let's do this. Now, sports update, starting off with athletics. Uganda's Moses Kipsiro fought off the challenge of Scotland's Callum Hawkins and Kenya's Jafet Koriri to win the 34th Great Scottish Run in Glasgow. Kilba Chance Hawkins and World Cross-Country Champion Koriri pushed the three-time Commonwealth Champion for most of the half-marathon. But Kipsiro won in one hour, two minutes, 18 seconds, 24 seconds ahead of Hawkins, who ran a personal best. Meanwhile, Kenya's Edna Kiblagat successfully defended her women's title in one hour, 08.21 seconds. Her compatriot, Doris Changeiwo, crossed second in one hour, 09.50 seconds. And England's Gamer Steel was six seconds further back in third. She held off the challenge of 42-year-old Joe Pavey, who ran one hour, 09.58 seconds, to set the fastest time ever by an over 40 British women. And on to football news, Nigeria's Golden Eaglets will tackle Argentina's under-17 team in a warm-up match on Tuesday in Buenos Aires as part of their preparations for the FIFA Under-17 World Cup in Chile. They are also scheduled to battle the under-20 team of either Racing FC or Boca Juniors on the 11th of October before they depart for Santiago. Tony Ubani reports. The Nigerian under-17s on Friday arrived there pre-walk-up training camp in Buenos Aires, Argentina, aboard an Emirates airline B777-300 flight from Dubai. The Eagles have already begun training at the Buenos Aires football ground. BAF, as it's simply known, is a facility privately owned by former Argentine international Matias Ameda, and it is tucked away at San Rogue in Tigre, on the outskirts of the capital city of Argentina. According to Igles coach Emmanuel Amenike, the facility in Bath is similar to what was obtainable at the Papenda Sports Center in Holland that was used by the Super Eagles in the 1990s during the era of Dutch coach Clemens Westerhoff. 
And Banyana Banyana in Equatorial Guinea played to a goalless draw in the first leg of the 2016 Rio Olympic qualifier on Saturday at Makhulung Stadium east of Johannesburg. The host created better chances of the match but failed to convert those that came their way as they go into the second leg away from home without a single goal to defend. The two teams meet again in two weeks' time on the 18th of October at Estadio di Bata. The kickoff will be at 1600 hours local time in Bata and 1700 hours South African time. The winner of this match qualifies for the 2016 Rio Olympic Games in Brazil. And in rugby news, if Springbok coach Henneke Meyer has conceded that he finds himself in the catch-22 situation with finding balance in resting players, giving other squad members an opportunity to play and wanting to keep up the momentum when it comes to his team selection for the U.S. game. Meyer says the U.S.A. game will be a difficult opponent and that is why they need to take them very seriously. Yeah, you know, it's uh, really put this game behind us. Uh, like Furi said, um, you know, learn the hard lessons. There's every single game is tough. Uh, they've had a they've had a longer turnaround than us. They've been waiting for this game and they will be physically up. We've watched their game against Scotland. I've watched that game, uh, immense physical game, and uh, you know, the dog's still going through the guys. But uh, every single game is physical. So a short turnaround. First, want to study America again, and then we have to have a mix of of players. Uh, you know, I'm caught in between the 22 because, uh, you know, on the one hand, a lot of our guys hasn't played a lot. And I thought that's why we had a very slow start uh, in the championship as well and in this tournament. And finally, with golf news, Thorbjörn Olesen has won the Alfred Dunhill Links Championship at St. Andrews for his third European Tour victory. Nick Dye reports. Ollison's talent has long been known, but the win is a little out of the blue. He's struggled with form and injury since winning the Perth International at the end of last year, and it's only recently he's been regaining his touch. It looked a nervy start to the final round, but he held firm, and once he sunk an exceptional birdie putt from 50 feet at the 15th, he was then able to par his way home. Others had challenged, but most found the back nine tough in cool conditions. Stroud, making a first visit to Scotland, birded the last to join his countrymen as runner-up. Ollison had been in danger of losing his tour playing rights. He's now up to 25th on the race to Dubai, and doors have opened once again. That's your Sport News this hour. SABC brings to you Rugby World Cup 2015, live on SABC2 and SABC radio stations. Well, that's how we wrap up the conversation. Hey, I, I don't know. Maybe I sounded a little bit unreasonable there with Abdul. They're calling teachers, te- the teacher profession, a, a calling. And I think every profession is a calling, isn't it? And sometimes we use these phrases for professions such as calling. So sometimes it creates a gap whereby it gives us excuses not to resource these particular professions you know i don't know your thoughts hey do you think that we look after african teachers can we do more to actually make sure that the teacher profession is more resourced we live in a very very complex world today where teachers need to adapt very quickly to technological changes also young kids like my nephews are playing on their phones all the time so i look at them they're like 11 years old 12 years old 13 years old if they're going class and 
you know, that is not actually a world that they live in within the class. It doesn't kind of contextualize their lives. What's the point of them going to school? I, I know I sound very pessimistic, but I'm not. I'm just saying, how are teachers actually being resourced? And are, being, are they being resourced enough to the changing times that we live in? Because young kids are very, very moving fast today. What are your thoughts? Plus two seven seven nine six nine five seven nine three zero. Also, let's empower them financially, I believe. The, the hands of the future lie in 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 their hands in in teachers hands so you know let let me know your thoughts plus two seven seven nine six nine five seven nine three zero until tomorrow god bless would like to get to know you our listener so we are asking you to tell us the country you're in and how you listen to the station is it via shortwave internet or satellite and what do you enjoy listening to you can SMS us at plus two seven eight two double three two five nine zero five, or email us. It's at info at channelafrica.org. You can also tell us via Facebook or tweet us on the handle at Channel Africa Numerical One, or write to us at the address PO Box nine one three one three Auckland Park, Johannesburg. 2006 Republic of South Africa. We look forward to hearing from you. Channel Africa, the voice of the African Renaissance.